What is up, everybody, and welcome back to the Pohada Podcast. As usual, Matt Browst of Pohada Photography. This time around, it is the second episode with my friend White Belt Ray. We're talking about three things after we meander around quite a bit. His inclusion as an ambassador for Tap Cancer Out, an important organization that you should definitely check out. His participation in the Origin Immersion Jiu-Jitsu Camp. And his first ever experience as a white belt, of course, at the IBJJF PANS Tournament. Before we totally jump in, as per usual, a huge help to the podcast has been my friend Tim Borowski of Axon Movement. That's axon-movement.com. What he does there centers around conquering pain by influencing the way you move. His services include injury, rehabilitation, chronic pain management, posture correction, functional training, good old fitness, as well as nutrition. Check him out at axon-movement.com. And without further ado, my conversation with my friend Ray. I don't know that I've ever had rare or perfection. It's good. It's really, uh, there's some good caramel notes on it. Ugh, listen to you. <laughs> One of the better experiences I had recently was I went to Tobacco Grove. And me in a cigar shop is just me quietly walking around, looking at things, picking up something familiar, maybe one thing I've never had, not really knowing a whole lot about it all, and leaving. And this guy came up, started talking to me, and you could have picked a whiskey snob or a wine snob or anything, anything else, and it would have been the same exact language and descriptions yeah. and pomp, adorable pomp, but pomp nonetheless. That's like talking wine with RJ, but he doesn't yeah. make you feel stupid. Yeah. Everything RJ knows about wine is a revelation every time he says it. He's just happy to say it. Happy, <laughs> happy you're listening. It's fun. It's fun. Is rare perfection a good accompaniment to a double quarter pounder with cheese? I would say yes. Mm. It's a nice dessert finish. Call it a Royale with cheese since it's Canadian. Yeah. And it's uh, a little bit higher proof too. It's like 120. Nice. So. Warms the throat. That's dessert. That's dessert. Yeah. What are we talking about today? Are you recording? It's been recording. Oh, nice. That's how we do it. <laughs> <laughs> See, what you need to do is keep it on when we think we're done. I've tried it a few times. It just doesn't work. Because <laughs> I tried it just a couple weeks ago, and you could tell everybody was like, we haven't changed rooms yet. Oh, what are we so doing? we're still recording, obviously. <laughs> yeah, that is the best podcast. Is the hour and a half after the podcast for sure? Standing around Polly's bar. Yeah, Polly's bar. <laughs> I asked him yesterday uh, after class. I was like, uh, "So, what time are we recording at your house tomorrow?" And he goes, "What?" what? <laughs> and he goes, "Well, I know you and Matt are." He goes, "You can come over." He's like, "I won't be home till like five, but." <laughs> He'd totally be down, just like, yeah, I'll let the girls know they'll let you in. Yeah. But we don't need it. We don't need him. Three things, White Belt Ray. Oh, yeah. Um, we're talking tap cancer out. Okay. Which we talked about before, but in looking at it differently now. Yep. We're talking the Origin Immersion Camp. That's going to be a good, fun conversation. Mm-hmm. And 
my favorite topic of the day will be pans. Last last week? Yeah, that was last week. That okay. was that was a different kind of fun. <laughs> I learned. Is that what you said? Yep. Very cheesy jujitsu, but also true. I learned a lot. Why would I bring up tap out cancer again? Tap out cancer? Tap cancer out. I'm st- ah. Tap cancer out. It's TCO because I keep thinking Twin Cities open. Yeah, right. Same. (laughs) Yeah, the the powerlifting meet. Yeah. But once you say it wrong, none of it sounds right. Tap cancer out. I am now a brand ambassador with Tap Cancer Out. That's a new program for them, right? No, they've had it for a couple years. Oh, they did? Okay. Yeah. um, I think, and we needed Polly here to Google this for me, but uh, the guy on Instagram, Pineapple Bob. Yeah, up in Fargo. Yeah, I think yeah, he's an ambassador with them too. Nice. Like previously was? Yeah, yeah. I guess I didn't know that. Cool. Yeah, yeah. so they keep you until you, you screw up or don't want to be in it anymore. Yeah. It's like Weedify, same kind of setup, I would assume, right? Yep. Um, so, what do you, I mean, do you have like a f- official or unofficial duties at this point? Uh, just raising as much awareness as I can um, during... Um, the tournaments we're expecting to volunteer at at least one. So mm-hmm. instead of competing next year, I'll volunteer. Um, and then, you know, just going to the different events you can get to if you're in the area. Um, Occasional post on social media. Yeah, like two a month. Nice. Uh, um, you know, I'm I'm going to put a post out like once they get their geese in, you know, because then... You know, that shows I'm valuable to them if people go buy stuff and, yeah. you know, yeah, help yeah. support the cause. And a lot of the money goes directly to people. So they have like a link they can follow that proves that you bought it yeah, yeah. through through you or whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, I have a discount code. Don't ask me what it is, but you save 10%. <laughs> um, I don't remember. Yeah. It's in my Instagram yeah, bio. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll throw it out there. I'll use it too because I've been looking to buy a gi and I, I don't like spending money on stuff. Certainly not gis. Uh, so when I do, like I bought the Weedify gi. No, and so I'll buy the tap cancer out gay too. Why not? Yeah, I have two coming. I have a blue and a black one from them coming. So. Oh, I only have white geese. They have white ones too. I know. But, but I think you're due for some color. Oh, more peer pressure. <laughs> Everything is peer pressure. That and competing. Anyway, so <laughs> that's the news on tap cancer. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I was pumped. Um, they put out a thing that they're looking for ambassadors, and I was like, I saw that actually, and I was thinking, I wonder if anybody was thinking about it because it was the first uh, tournament in Minneapolis for them, wasn't it? Yeah, was their first year out here. Definitely going to be back because we crushed the fundraising goal they set for a first year event. So, um, you know, next year hopefully we can get, you know, if we can get like fifty percent of our gym to do it, M theory, I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, well, it'll be more from every every gym yeah somebody from most gyms did it they'll spread the word more people will do it it's just how that stuff organically grows yes sir we did pretty well on the fundraising over at and we won it didn't we? yeah yeah i think we did over 10 10 grand to the 52 how many of those grands were you i think i was just i got to five yeah so yeah. naturally nice you and thomas herrera kicked ass in the fundraising was he second he alone as a team was second or something yeah, he did really well, but there's uh, a, a kid, top fundraiser was a kid. Yeah. He, yeah. he raised almost ten grand, so his parents get to go on a trip to Mexico. Right. And they're the ones that did the fundraising, so, so that's how that <laughs> they, works. they should go to Mexico, yeah. When I buy 75 frozen pizzas from my training clients for their kids for sports. <laughs> yeah, my son won because, Ray, you bought seven six-pack hedgies. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're gone already. Yeah, so. uh, get him in baseball because I know he doesn't play a spring sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I dig uh, 
I dig events with a with a, a cause attached. I'm get, I'm leaning more towards that now because a it's like I can scratch that selfish itch of competing, but actually have it mean something other than like a twelve dollar medal, right? Or not a twelve dollar medal, you know, just <laughs> spending a grand to fly and say right, right, right. And it just it, it, same thing. I've said it before on this podcast. The same thing with powerlifting meets and everything else. Like, why not? Right, have a cause attached. There's a bunch of people here. You put a Folgers can by the door. Say, yeah. "Hey, drop some money if you got it," and maybe have some incentivized thing for the people doing it. Like, it's so easy, so easy. Speaking of powerlifting, getting oh, back good. to that piece, I think USAPL getting bumped off the IPF is the best thing that happened to the sport and the organization. Tell me why? Because it'll remove all the political grandstanding that goes on between like high level organizations of like. You know, who says we can do this? You can only wear this bench shirt at this meet and you can't use it at this one, but you could use it to qualify for this one. Now you got to learn a whole new piece of gear that drastically changes your technique. So I just think it'll be better for the lifters, the organization, and I think there'll be less of this high and mighty speak coming down from the USAPL because they're connected to possibly the IOC. So I just think it's going to be a lot better experience for everyone involved in the sport. I might even come back and ref. Mm, bold claims. I said might. Yeah. I think uh, it's one of those things where the the pain in the moment for the people who, you know, this year and next year and whatever, we're planning on going to Worlds, the IPF Worlds, uh, feels like it matters so fucking much. So I get it. I get, like, the outcry and whatnot. Yeah. But it doesn't fucking matter. It, I get it. I, I get it. I feel you. Yeah, it's your hobby. But, and you know, for some portion of a career for some of them, the, yeah. well, the well-marketed folks, and they, they get free leggings on Instagram or whatever the fuck, you know. But the removal based on the principle, like the early core values of the Drug-Free Powerlifting Federation, it, it's not even a question. Right. Completely remove yourself from any tie-in if they're changing... The strictness, strictness with which they're trying to, you know, regulate drug testing and stuff. Right. Duh. Right. Just right, right. be gone, you know. All right. Pause it quick. I got to go with these stupid dogs. Get those dogs. I ain't pausing it. People are going to sit and listen to you run upstairs and deal with your dogs. Ruby. Come on. Ruby. Well, hi, dog. You're a pooch. Yeah. Chocolatey eyes. Little pooch. Do give a good sniff. Give it a sniff, you dog. Yeah, puppy dogs. The bulldog does not like lawnmowers. So she tries to dig her under the fence to get to it. Yeah. Sorry, folks. You should see. Uh, <laughs> sorry, cut it out. Uh, you should see Opie with my vacuum, a little Frenchie. Freak show. Just biting it and like trying to. Uh, it's ridiculous. Like, yeah. This vacuum will kick your ass, bro. You're an 18 pound Frenchie. Yeah. She. I mean, she's a 52 pound meatball. Yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah, she'll. Even the four wheeler cabin. Trying to bite the tires. Stupid. Yeah. 
dumb. You were once a regal wolf. <laughs> and now you look like you ran into a wall at birth. <laughs> you can't breathe. And there's like a four degree temperature range at which you, you thrive. Yeah. 62 Otherwise it's to two, 66. Yeah, right. That's exactly. Yeah, it's the Frenchy range for sure. South of that, it's chilly. Yep. North of that, it's devilly hot because you can't Dead. breathe. Oh, you're you can't breathe. You can't cool yourself. What is the origin immersion camp? And why am I asking you about it? Because I went. Oh, I signed up a week after I started jujitsu. Nice. <laughs> um, so it's a week-long um, jujitsu camp at a... Found this out when I got there. Normally, it's a, like a summer camp for girls. Yeah. Um, and then when that season runs out, um, they do like corporate retreats, and then they have this there. Um, but there's roughly 300 people um, there. It's There's three sessions a day. Each session's between an hour and a half and two hours. One of our sessions in the white belt group went like two and a half hours. So there's really no, like, if you want to stay, you stay. Um, and that's one thing that's stressed is you're an adult that went on vacation and you paid to come here. You want don't want to go to some session, go lay on the beach and drink a beer. You're an adult. You paid to be here. Sure. Uh, super casual. Mats are always open. You could legit find a role anytime between probably 8 a.m. and midnight if you wanted to. Um and all meals were provided, bunkhouses, which was, you know, a unique experience being a grown man, like sleeping <laughs> with like 12 random strangers in a bunkhouse. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it went well and made some friends. And one guy, we pretty much text every day since. And it was a good time. Um, lot, great instruction. Met a lot of cool people. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, if you're on the fence about going or have even considered going, go. Like it's worth every penny of 100 percent a positive experience yeah um like really you know you world-class instruction there was a coral belt there you know so like you can ask somebody who learned from de la hiva like yeah you don't get that that often um <laughs> that that often basically never basically never yeah you can you can get pretty far back in like the lineage you know depending on you know the the line you're under like we're under pedro sour you can get into the history pretty deep but like coral belt is seems to me to be a pretty rare thing and i i can't i don't so um pete the guy that owns origin he got his third degree black belt from his instructors at the camp but i don't like that's why i get lost is like i understand the belts but then when it gets into like ishmael just became a fifth degree black belt a couple weeks months ago four fourth, i think four four but like, what's a core belt? Is that six? And is that seven? Like, I forget actually. It, it's I think it's it's total years, like fifty years or something, in the sport of training. Okay, something like that. It, it is. I think it's more of a, a a legacy kind of thing, like the number of years going. Okay, yeah. I think two the coral belt two that, morons talking about something they don't know what. Right, <laughs> but but it was uh, Ricardo Laborio was. Okay. The coral belt. And he learned from De La Hiva. He was one of the instructors. He was like the size of Ish, but moves like Marcus at 50 some years old. Yeah. He has a, he teaches a jujitsu course at the University of Central Florida as a college course with credits. Yeah. Which is cool. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. What did I take? Coaching volleyball or something? Not yeah. nearly, not nearly as cool. Would you take a three credit course in jujitsu? 
Twice. <laughs> Every semester. I did, I did really poorly. I better take it again. Yeah. <laughs> nah, I think he said you can take it twice for credit. Is there five Sweet. credits? Yeah. But yeah. Um, and I met this, uh, I say kid, he's 30. His name's Orlando Castillo. He's uh, with Fight Sport out of Miami. He's a black belt. I was supposed to give him a ride. Things went sideways. And he gave me basically privates all week long. Um, so yeah, like anybody was there to ask questions. Like I drilled a lot with him like throughout the week. So it's like a perpetual open mat. Yeah. Like people just kind of floating in when they're ready to go, loosening up. Let's do it. Yep. And at night, uh, from like eight until whenever was the open roll at night. And, you know, a lot of people would drill stuff they learned during the day. Um, you could, you know, ask an instructor. I did, um, Dedeco, I think his full name's Andre something, but he's a black belt out of, he's a fourth degree black belt, I believe. Um, he's from Brazil too, but he teaches out in Boston and he watched one of my roles and kind of just gave me some feedback after and, you know, things you could do well. He's like, you could have done this, 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 and this, but that, 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 and that didn't even register in my brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just happy to be talking to him at yeah. that point. You're watching, huh? Great. Yeah. All right. That is sort of the cool thing about it is the, the little I had known about that camp was that effectively it's just eyeballs all day long the whole time you're there. There's somebody watching, somebody looking to give feedback, somebody looking for feedback, et cetera. I mean, that's the camp. Yeah. You were all here just watching and jumping in, jumping out, you know? Yeah. And that was the cool thing too. Like, um, during the open roll, if like I was rolling with like a purple belt, you know, they would stop mid roll and be like, do you see what you could do to me right here? And that was kind of, it was like a, there was, it seemed like the egos were out of everyone there and they were just there to either get better or help other people get better. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Meeting Jocko was cool too. Right. That's, I mean, that's how I had heard of it, you know, even before I had gotten into jujitsu, I think, you know, you're familiar with some camp they did attached to the, the jeans brand or whatever, yeah. you know, got to tour the factory where the jeans were made. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That was sweet. Like I've never seen a loom right? that they used to make the geese. Um, that was sweet. And then just like, it's a big, huge thing. Yeah, it's like probably. Yeah, I'm not gonna look the size of this room, but yeah, right. it's uh, twenty by thirty. Kind yeah, of thing, it's like yeah. twelve feet long, and like three feet deep, and it just basically weaves fabric all day for their geese. And then there's some story behind that loom, isn't there? Yeah. So do you know it? I remember yeah. hearing him talk about it on one of the podcasts. But. So it wasn't working, and there was a guy um, in the area. And everybody's like, he was asking around, is like, is there anybody that still knows how to use this stuff? Because Maine used to be like the big, that's, they made boots, jeans, like that's where stuff was made in America. Um, and origin is everything's made in America, sourced in America. And so he, um, Pete, the guy that founded Origin's CEO, was asking around, is, could anybody get this to work? And so Origin was, everything was all in on Origin by this guy saying, yes, I can get it to run again. It was the cornerstone of the, the, whole of the future of this company. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It was, yeah, I mean, talk about like a. I mean, who do you know that has ever used? You know, it seems like it feels like a dying or dead technology relative to manufacturing around here. Obviously, well, yeah. And Pete talked about this on the podcast him and Jocko did at camp. Yeah, is and he mentioned them by name, so I don't care. I will say it too. Levi reached out to Origin, like Levi Strauss, asking them if they could come teach people at levi how to make jeans because they don't do it here anymore they've done it outside the country and they want to bring it back but nobody in their company knows how to do it 
Boy, that's a sad commentary. And so Levi, our key product, the only thing people know us for, we don't know how to make it anymore. We need those people over there to do it. Yeah. Yikes! Yeah, and they've expanded. They have uh, their sweatshirt company is in North Carolina now. They have they have factories in Louisiana. They're like literally trying to bring it to across America, like the Jocko Go line and stuff like that. Yeah, so it's cool. Like it is pretty cool. So I have no problem giving them my money. Yeah, two hundred fifty dollars for a pair of boots. The ones I got. That's the other bonus part about going to the camp. Yes. Like a $300 gi for yes. 70 bucks. Yes. A $350 pair of boots for 100 Oh, it's baby. Like, yeah. 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 Jeans for 20 That actually makes me want to go. More than the jiu-jitsu has made me want to go. <laughs> Buy some nice shit that's going to last forever, forever and get it for cheap. Yeah. Or reasonably cheap. It's like they don't wear out, they wear in. That's very cute. Is yeah. that one of their lines? No, that's Noble's thing. Oh, is it? Yeah. It feels like bull, though. Mm. It's a good statement. Yeah. But yeah, like the instruction I've learned, like I caught you in a sweep I learned there today. And you even said good sweep. I was like, damn, it was good, man. Yeah. Which, what was it? So it was when I had you in guard, I opened the guard and like I pushed your knee out and like scissor sweep you instead of like putting my foot on the ground. Yeah, just kick, kick the knee. knee yeah, because yeah. if you lift up your knee to block it, then armbar is there, and yep. then so is umaplata. That was like one of the first things I remember learning at M Theory was that sweep. Like my, one of the first earliest days I can remember is the different versions of some scissor sweep stuff. I feel more confident talking about jujitsu now than I did the first time I was on here. Yeah, because <laughs> it was seven weeks into my and now that was the whole idea at the time and i'm triple that so yeah it's gonna be extra embarrassing sounding though because now you think you know a little bit but you don't know shit just like me you know so that's why i have black belts on so somebody can be on here that sounds like they know what they're talking about so in 10 years when i go back and re-listen to this when i have Mm -hmm. my i'm gonna get an angry text you're gonna be like dude why did we do that (laughs) silly did you did you meet uh, or roll with Ryan Mickler of the Order of Man podcast? Uh, I did you know not, but is? I rolled with one of his guys. I met Ryan, um, yeah. and I'm now on in the Iron Council. Nice, um, cute. So he's a good dude. Seems uh, like it, yeah. Like there, I mean, there were so many like people there that like are like big deals figures. Yeah, yeah like Jocko, Echo, um, Andy Stumpf was there. Mm-hmm. Like JP, he's know. taller than Andy Stump than I pictured him being. Like of course, six foot. yeah, of course, like Jocko and them aren't tall guys. No, Jocko's so a little bit taller than me. Yeah, very e- short. Echo's probably six foot. That's strange. Just again, the meathead backgrounds. I picture like big, imposing guys as six foot six. Well, Echo's imposing. Well, for sure, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. They're big, scary dudes, but they're not. Like I would, right. I would look slightly down at those guys. That's weird to think about. Uh, Mac Lethal, the rapper, was there. Super cool dude. Oh yeah, I saw something about that. That's, yeah, that's kind of fun. Um, the he's one of those guys that jujitsu saved my life, kind of thing. Yeah, like yeah. health wise and yeah. all that. Right. I don't know nothing he's about a him. Belt but, now. Yeah. Um, be, the because jujitsu guy Drew Weatherford. Uh, I don't know that one. He's got an Instagram. It's called Because Jiu-Jitsu. He's got a podcast. He's got hilarious rash guards coming out. But um, he's nice. like a Jiu-Jitsu like online celebrity. But yeah, that was he was super cool. Master Ken came, <laughs> which was I had no idea who it was. And then all of a sudden, like I'm on the ground and he's thrusting my face because I was the one of my 
people at JP who works for Jocko, he voluntold me that I was going to mm-hmm. be his uh, assistant. So, <laughs> and I got face thrusted laying on the ground. That's yeah. That's well because jujitsu. That's, yeah, that's what that is. Yeah, but Omera Dote is the real martial art. Yes. I can't say it was a straight face. Yeah. <laughs> mm. But yeah, I mean, it was beautiful there too. It was on the sweet lake. They had like all the water toys. But how long was it? The hotel thing? Eight days. Eight days. That's, that's good enough. Sunday to Sunday. Sunday was like, wake up, eat breakfast, get the hell out of there. But well, yeah, that's what Sundays are for. What, what did it cost? Just under two grand. Yeah. And that covered good. all your jujitsu, all your food, lodging. You still had to pay to get there and pay to get from the airport to camp. And it's like mm-hmm. an hour and a half outside of Portland. It's a pretty sweet deal, man. Yeah. I'm, there's a couple of people from the gym that already want to go next year that have made it clear that we, we need to make it happen. So you could, uh, yeah, like, improve travel costs or something somehow as a group i would assume yeah because i mean like one we could, car we could have went to suburban car yeah yeah and get everyone in there and spend you know two grand on a suburban for let's say eight people right. instead of two people splitting a thousand dollar yeah yeah ford escort economy car yeah so that'll be another purpose is to try to get more people going like you yeah, maybe. It's a good time. What's his name? Uh, I'm horrible with names. Uh, black belt in judo, brown belt, bald professor at St. Olaf. Danny? Yeah, he wants to go. I bet. Next year. Lucas wants to go. Manet? Yeah, I tried to talk Katrina into having that be their honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> she'd be down. You'd think she'd be down. Were there a lot of women at the... Uh, there was about 10. Okay. Ten to, uh, probably 10 to 12. Um, there's a black belt lead instructor there, Leah. She's out of Montana. Um, she was one of the instructors. Um, Danielle. She's really good at nogi. She's like 21. She was one of the instructors that taught her like signature like leg lock. Mm. That's how I learned shin to shin guard. Mm. Which I tried and then got smashed. Mm. All that shit scares me. Um, and there was a couple people there, like five five or six that their first time ever doing jujitsu was their first session at camp. Really? Yeah. That's a strange, a strange intro. So I, I talked to two hmm. of the guys um, and their buddies. Cause the reason they did it is the closest gym to train oh, to yeah. them is like two hours. But then Pete's story, the guy who formed origin mm-hmm. would drive from Portland to Boston Every day to train, it's four hours round trip. Each way, four hours each way. Get the fuck out of here. And he did it for like four years. And that's how Origin got started is because he had all that time to think as he was driving back. Well, yeah, yeah. And so Dedeco was his instructor. And Dedeco gave him $10,000 to start the company. But that was supposed to be the down payment for his house. And he didn't tell his wife. God, I hope and that's a known story at this point. It is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and now this is a multi-million dollar brand. Well, yeah, it doesn't matter anymore, yeah. Fucking eight hours. Round trip of driving to train jujitsu for like the first three years. And like 
two hours of training or something, you know. He said it was like 10 to 12 hours a day was involved with the commute and training jujitsu. Jeez. That's kind of like Ishmael. That's well, yeah, and just I've heard different versions of that same sort of level of commitment from a handful of the black belts I've talked about. Like Hayden's Hayden Buckner's story is so super blue collar. You listen to it, where it's like, dude, you're riding a scooter with a buddy on the back on Highway 100 in winter, winter. yeah, <laughs> like to get to jujitsu. This is crazy, and that's why they're black belts and stuff. Yeah, and I think I'm grinding when I drive 15 minutes down 100 <laughs> well, in the middle of my work day. Some days it it can be, yeah. That's that's far and away the craziest I made it happen story I think I've ever heard. Yeah. You hear about they can powerlifting and stuff. You hear about people commuting out to West Side from the other side of the state and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But yikes! Yeah, that's wild. Um, but I mean, you damn well better make the the drive worth it. Yeah, Just think and, think about some stuff and some things you can do to improve the situation. Yeah, and uh, the other thing they talked he talked about on the podcast too is. Uh, the first pair of boots, origin made. Mm-hmm. Guess how much it costs them to make? Oh, pff, I don't even have a over five hundred thousand dollars. Oh my god! The first pair of boots that rolled out because of like buying the machines, training people, like yep. how many failures they had yep. building them. Yeah. Wow. So no, people don't think about that when they buy the. Yeah. They see the three hundred dollar price tag on the bison yep. boot. They're like yep. these assholes. No, they're handmade by yep. real people. Yeah. Um. And they don't see like all the stuff that went into it. But the coolest thing about that whole thing about the origin culture that I learned is so when the orders came through, like let's say you bought a pair of boots, it would say Matt Browse size 13 E width because I'm a monster. 14. 14 E width. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Minnesota, Bison, yada, yada, yada. Well, to save like a cor- an inch of paper, they took the name and where you were from off of the receipt employees like revolted because like they wanted to know who they were making the boot for sure 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 and so like that's the whole point of like handmade reasonably local or at least in the country is like it's a kind of a connection with the customer still yeah again and they kind of had this that you talked about on the podcast too and this is like where like i started to really connect with the brand when i got out there because i was like oh they make stuff like cool Mm. but uh during COVID, they got so burnt out because they got ahead and started making masks like 14 hours a day, seven days a week. That's all they did. And they could sense the burnout. So they got the team together and said, I want you today to make someone you love a pair of boots and like put your heart and soul into it. And so that's where like when you get a pair of boots, like even the woman I talked to at the boot factory was like, I put my soul into every pair of boots I make. So like you're getting someone's like best work and that's cool. That's very cool, yeah. So just the fact that you could go and meet the person who made the boots for you. Yeah. I met the person who right. stitches my geese. Like that's cool. That is pretty cool. They're not it's in a, it's Pakistan. A, a purer version of things. Yeah. Much simpler too. Well, and the um Use your words. Yeah, use my words for sure. It's it's that like cultural thing of like we see the best version of a thing on TV so readily, so easily and right in front of us that you don't think about the 20 years of preparation that went into, you know, LeBron being who LeBron is or whatever, same kind of thing. Like 
it's easy to see a price tag on a quality product and be like, I'm not paying that. Right. We're disregarding the quality and the worksmanship and like the real support of, you know, a team or whatever that that's behind it. Same kind of idea. Well, yeah. Now I get why, like if I order a pair of boots from them, I get why it's going to take a month for me to get them because they're not just sitting on the shelf. Like they're made yeah. to order. Right. You, it, it, I stopped and got a cheeseburger on the way here. And I paid at one corner of the building, drove to the next, they handed it to me, and I left. Correct. Not considered the highest, like, quality, you know, tastes good for what it's worth and good precursor to sipping whiskey. Just yeah. a smart move, right? But it's not ordering a, a steak. Yeah, you're not at Ruth Chris. You know, yeah, and having a group of people go, all right, let's make a good steak. He wants it rare. Let's go. You know what yeah. I mean? And timing things and personally seasoning it and all that, you know. Which one's a better experience? Which one do you consider higher quality? I mean, hello. Well, right, and that's kind of, you pay for experiences. You know, that's why you go to Fogo de Chao instead of all-you-can-eat bourbon steaks at Applebee's. Do they do all-you-can-eat bourbon steaks at Applebee's? That sounded good. Yeah. I was I was hoping you'd reference Golden Corral. That's kind of my go-to, like, ugh, trash reference. But Is that like an old country buffet? Yeah, but like... Like grosser, not grosser like trashier. Grosser like bigger and still not totally disappointed in themselves. Like OCB got after a few years. Oh, okay. I don't know if I explained so, that right. So, so it's definitely not Las Vegas buff, uh, buffet quality. I dude, I don't know. I've never been to one of those, but only went to Vegas once. Strongman Nationals. Showed up Friday night. Went to sleep. Woke up. Competed. Sort of. Went back to sleep, woke up Sunday morning and left. That's my only Vegas experience. Well, I think we found what we need to do, but we need to take mm. Polly. Then I think Vegas would be a good time. Mm. I think I'd rather just go in the woods and sit quietly around a fire. I could do that too. Yeah, much better. Vegas is bright and loud and crowded. That would, podcast weekend. Hmm. Hmm? Up there, uh, the cabin, 40 acres, bonfire, just turn it on, bottle of whiskey. Yeah, just record perpetually. Just record. and then Who's 40 acres? Uh, my grandfather, oh. in-laws. So you're talking about your place? Yeah. Nice. There ain't no electricity of mine, so once the batteries die, that'd be it. We could do a boys weekend. My, my grandfather-in-law is a huge fan of me, so I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> you convinced him. When I had the Mustang, I took him for a ride, and we did like zero to like 130 in a quick amount of time, and he reached over and grabbed my shoulder, and he's like, I haven't had that much fun in a car since I was 16, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and I am a lot. <laughs> Drive the car off the road hearing that shit. Oh, I laugh so hard. That's a grandfather-in-law, too. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. See, it's different coming from that. There's layers of, of removal there. Yeah. It was fun. But yeah, um, Origin, support them, American-made. Yeah. It's real people. I saw it. And you were good and ready for Pans by the end of that camp because Pans <laughs> was the next week, right? That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, Pans was an, uh, an experience. So the original game plan was to go fr- straight from Portland to Orlando. Um, so I didn't have to do all these flights, but my son was 
not handling me being gone that long very sure. well. Yeah, I remember seeing you posted at going home to yeah. Spend so a I day or switched two. a flight, came home, was home for like thirty six hours. Um, went down to Pans. My dad came. Um, that's fun. My my parents have uh, vacation properties, and so it was accommodations were great. It was comfortable. Sweet. But then I learned how a big jujitsu tournament works. Mm-hmm. Um, so like it was constantly updating like on my phone, like when it, the projected time that I would go. Yeah. It was like four o'clock all week. Day of the event, it was like four o'clock and then it went to 4.15. Then it went to 4.45. And then at one point it was like 5.25. Now is this your first IBJJF tournament? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, things are going slow as expected. I've been a part of big tournaments in other like in powerlifting where like nothing runs on time. Yeah. Something's going to go wrong. Something's going to get behind. It's just kind of the way that you get a big group of people all trying to do the same thing. That's the way it's going to go. And that's what I was expecting was for it to be delayed. So then it like flipped back to four o'clock, like on a dime within like two minutes. I was like, cool. So I got to start paying attention, really close attention to this. So at, also, why can't that happen at powerlifting meets? Right. They never self-correct. We're always (laughs) farther and farther behind. Anyway, um, so at like one forty-five, I looked and it said three forty-five. So I'm like two hours. Okay, cool. I'm going to get my gi pants on chilling. Okay. Two o'clock comes around. I look now it says like two fifty-five. It's like, okay, I got to go warm up. So I go down there. I look, I'm not on the screen. I start warming up like air squats, lunges, some s- silly stuff. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden I hear my name announced. And I was like, I just heard Ray and I didn't hear anything else. So I like, okay, there's probably another Ray here. It's like versus Hispanic people here. That's a common name. Yeah. means King. Yeah. In Spanish. So I think, and then I was warming up again and then I heard Ray law and I was like, what the fuck? can't be more than one Ray law. Yeah. So I, I and then I pull up my phone and now at two twenty. Yeah. And it's two nineteen. Right. <laughs> right now. <laughs> so I sprint down, get weighed in, good to go, get my gi checked, get walked out. Well, Lydia was competing at the same time. Yeah. So Marcus and Siobhan were with her mm-hmm. and they didn't expect me to fight for another hour. Yeah. So go into it cold and not mentally there because I like my whole game plan went out the door. I didn't have coaching. I didn't have like a warm up. Yeah. Um, and I was like minor panicking for like 90 seconds. And then I was like, okay, it's just a roll. Calm down. You'll be fine. You're on your own. Okay. And match went on. I lost six to two. He got a takedown. And then stupidly, I let him have my back. I swept out. And got him inside control, and he turtled for two minutes, and I was too nice. Um, I learned now, after talking to people at the gym, mm-hmm. they're like, if he's going to turtle on his side in an international competition, you need to be mean. And I I didn't start to get mean until about 45 seconds to a minute left. Right, right. It's it's like yankaroo time. Grab something, start yanking, start yeah. driving elbows into rib cages, and, yep, get, and get some heels in. Uh, during my role today... Um, it was, he's like, yeah, I saw your fight. He's like, if you would have just did what you just did, dropped your elbow into my rib cage and pushed my face away, he would have stopped turtling real quick. Mm-hmm. 
it is like a, a safety spot, a comfort position. Okay, I'm here. I can I can breathe and keep my elbows tight to my ribs. I'll be okay. Well, until it gets uncomfortable, they're going to yep. do that. It seems like. And I was too nice, and yep. that was a lesson learned. And it is a fight. You're fighting, and that's the. I don't yeah. have that mindset. Same. Yet. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird thing for me too. Because like I look at the gym, it's like, you know, today I'm like, hey, my elbow's a little dinged up. Like, I'm going to tap super early. If you go after my left arm. I'm oh this easy, easy roll okay cool like but no it's like he's literally trying to break my arm I need to get in that right yeah headspace that's actually a a, a quote from uh, Ish that Marcus sent me yesterday let me pull that up that it's a fight. I'm never going to grab your bottle and pour for myself. It seems rude. Is that why you have a bottle at Polly's? I don't have a bottle at Polly's. Oh, don't you anymore? <laughs> Bottles empty out. Is it something about putting your foot on his chest? My foot on his chest. <laughs> yes. Why Marcus can't I, is kind of getting I that yes thing down now. What do you mean, getting... Yeah, the quote is, he said, you missed a great ish quote today. It goes, you're not trying to cause pain. You're trying to cause injury. And like, yeah, okay, be polite to training partners, you know. Yeah. But when it comes to it, you're trying to break that guy's elbow. It's his responsibility to tap once he knows it's, it's going to go in imminent risk and, and save it, you know. Which is why I, I would never be good at this. It seems mean. Well, you're good. Um, you're better than I am. I am a good in turtle, for the record. <laughs> so we should drill. Maybe maybe start there a few times. You in turtle? Yeah, I'm a strong turtle. Any position where I get to take some deep breaths and think, and I know I can just hold it and be heavy, I, I do okay there. You, Depending good. on how you define okay. You're pretty good in mount. Yeah, I'm heavy. <laughs> well. Use get, your attributes. I'm getting yeah, right, right, yeah. Use the physics you got. I'm getting the hang of 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 handling mount out, outside of being heavy, but uh, that was one thing. Uh, so and it's one and done. Hold on, I'm sorry. Oh. IBJJS one and done. Right? Yeah, you're one and done. So you're done now. Now what? Uh, was super pissed at myself for about an hour. Ishmael says you get 24 hours to be mad or happy. Um, after that shut the fuck up get yeah. back to work is yeah. that the yeah okay um but i was like okay i don't want to like my dad came here i don't want to piss on his parade and be like an asshole all night it's uh, a bigger trip than some wrestling match you had yeah so like i was like i told my dad i'm like eh, just don't talk to me on the drive back to the the place and he's like okay and i'm like after i shower i'll be fine so I had about two shower beers. Yeah. And then uh, so good. me and my dad went out to dinner, um, had some good food and came back. And then the rest that uh, we were that I fought on Wednesday fought. Um, <laughs> it doesn't sound right to me either. Like, yeah, but it's definitely it's a fight. dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Thursday, like later on by the pool, had some fufu pina coladas and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Had probably 38 fish tacos. And just kind of hung out and took it easy. I wanted to see 
nobody from our team went on Thursday, so if somebody did, I might I was gonna go watch. Um, but a couple like we had half of our team drop out for X Y Z reasons. Yeah. Um, and then Friday we had a weird flight time where like it just kind of screwed our day. So went out to breakfast, went to downtown Disney, did some shopping, bought the kids like yeah stuff. Yeah. It's like we need more stuff. Mm-hmm. And then uh You went to Disney without us, Dad. At yeah. least bring us back some stuff. Some stuff, yeah. Um But yeah, I mean it was a great experience. I'm definitely going to do it again. But at a about twenty pounds less of a body weight. That was the other thing. I weighed in closer to the lighter weight class than I did the cap of my weight class. Sure, you're in the bottom of the weight class. Yeah, so and I, it sounds like you're giving up height and like oh, whatever too, right? Because yeah. you're a thick boy. Yeah, so I weighed in at one eighty eight, and the cap is one ninety five, and the cap below is one eighty one point nine. And picture the typical jujitsu dork. You're fighting against somebody who's six foot six two. Yeah. So you're giving up like six inches of length and yeah. when I don't have the tools to beat length. Yeah, yeah. Like like jujitsu. Yeah, in ten years hopefully I have <laughs> yeah, the, hopefully. the tools to Oh, you're six one, one sixty nine, I know how to deal with this problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right now I'd be like I got the ankle. Yeah. Why are how, you so how far do I get away to now? <laughs> yeah. Like everything's so far away. Your hip is further away than my body length. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah it was a good time like definitely like a fun environment to take in half the people there are speaking portuguese or spanish mm-hmm. which is like cool and intimidating right because i have right. no idea what anybody's saying yeah white belts with ears that look like they've been doing jujitsu for 20 years <laughs> your belt is a lie <laughs> well that's where i was like i'm watching some of the, like uh this i watched the white belts of the adults in my same weight class like this isn't white that doesn't look like white belt jujitsu yeah but then i like you know some guys at our gym who are division one wrestlers i'm like they're not white belts in jujitsu. right yeah 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 i just rolled with him the other day i haven't seen him in like a month so yeah. i don't even know if he's still alive well i rolled with him the other day and uh first time in quite a while and it, it is amazing how how obvious it is that someone wrestled yeah there's just movements that none of the rest of us do and you're like I watched Vision Quest. That looks like yeah. wrestling, you know, and and you, but it, you can just see how and... awesome of a base it would be, you know. Yeah. The other a martial art I've kind of wanted to try out now that I've got into this because of you is sambo. So if you know anybody in Minneapolis, <laughs> I don't know. Is there some sambo around? I don't know. I have no idea. There's got to be somebody who went to the right country for that for a while and could do it. But because that was uh, going back to the origin camp. Uh, Dean Lister was one of the instructors there. Um, and he said that's where he, like his jujitsu improved leads and bounds with, with Sambo. When he started training with somebody from Russia. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Any, I mean, it, it fundamentally would make sense. Any other version of grappling would improve the version you're currently doing. Like what? Well, that's why everybody's you know. doing judo privates with. Dan. Yeah. Yeah. And just, I mean, you just get a broader and broader and broader view of the thing you're working on. It just fundamentally makes sense. And that's the other thing I had, again, I'm, you know, an infant in this sport is that a lot of the guys from Brazil, like Alexi, who is one we never haven't talked about yet. He is one of the instructors. He's a fifth mm-hmm. three black belt. 
and Ricardo Laborio, they're all judo black belts. Yeah. Along with having 40 years of jujitsu black yeah. belt experience. Yeah. So it's scary. Yeah. That's Hanan. You you haven't been at the gym when Hanan Vital was in town yet. Uh-uh. He's gonna be one of the at the seminar before the IJF gala I'm in doing a couple a of weeks. Next week. Who? Hanan. Yeah. Good. Same thing. He's a judo black belt, jujitsu black belt, and he's like two hundred and twenty, two hundred and thirty pounds of just unmovable mass. It's a different brand of terrifying. And he's cool. Yeah? He's Brazilian, right? Yeah. Okay. He's the chef? No. Oh. But he's teaching the seminar. Mm-hmm. Okay. Him and Jared and Ish. And I'm missing one. Klinger. Eric Klinger. That's the guy that started iJeff, I think. Okay. I need to find a babysitter for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, because my sure. wife's going to a bachelorette party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I want to go to the seminar. Yep. But I have the the humans I'm in charge of keeping alive. Yeah. For the next 18 years. Reasonable. Uh, so if any of your listeners want to make like a hundred bucks, somebody's got a daughter, a high school daughter, or something that would do it. Not to totally gender role or whatever, but like, isn't that weird? I would I would totally prefer a female babysitter over a male. That's because I know myself and presumably you know yourself and we know each other and like I'm an idiot with poor instincts for that shit. Yeah. yeah. Give, me, like, give me a 16 year old girl over a 16 year old boy any day of the week. Yeah. I also don't have kids. So what the fuck do I know? But like I know I was a dumbass at 16 because I still am. But I remember being 16 and a dumbass. You know, I don't know. Yeah. So if anybody is listening and this is posted <laughs> before September 18th. And you have a trustworthy child that doesn't live in Florida, Polly. Need a babysitter. Polly's got two kids. One of them still lives here. Ooh. Let's talk to Polly about it. All right. Look at that. It's a good, good, good. Also, network. this is why you join gyms. You have a network of people you can tap into and be like, anybody do that or yeah. know of somebody Score who does help that? me build a swing set. That's what I'm saying. You know, that's, that's why you network the way we network. That's the craziest part about jujitsu so far is like, I've known the man for four months at this point and mm-hmm. he came over and spent 10 hours helping me put together a swing set. Yeah. It was probably one of the favorite things he did in a long time. Yeah. And he was like, I was like, can I pay you? He's like, how about a couple beers when we're done? Yeah. That sounds right. I was like, I'll give you 50. Like, do you want yeah. to take- <laughs> <laughs> if I did this by myself, I'd be here for a month. Yeah. Do you ask anybody else to help you with that? Well, I, I, I just sent a message to Francois. I was like, do you know anybody who's good with like woodworking? He goes, yeah, Scora. And I just sent Scora. I was like, hey, can I ask you a big favor? And he goes, I'll be over in an hour. That's a very Scora answer. I was hoping you'd say you asked me. You would have told me to fuck off. No, you did ask me. Do you remember that? You don't remember asking me? You said, hey, do you want to help me and Scora build a swing set? And I just said, no. Yeah. And that was the end of it. (laughs) I'm like, I don't. I mean, I will, but I don't want to. (laughs) You know, you didn't elaborate. So that's where it ended. When people say no, it's like. Okay, I'm mm-hmm. moving on to the... Yeah, agreed. That has been the best part of jiu-jitsu, by the way. What's that? The ability to... I don't know if it's a confidence thing where, like, I just don't give a fuck now. Like, when people say no, I don't dwell on why did they say no to me, like... Or if someone's like, well, I don't feel like doing that. Like, it used to just eat me alive. 
and now like with jujitsu like other people's opinions i don't care right do your thing experiencing an exchange of of combat however friendly yeah has changed your perspective on interpersonal relationship conflict yeah it's like where somebody says no to me cool all right and then now when somebody says yes i'm like extremely grateful that's interesting I no idea what it, the correlation. Well, is. no, it feels like a long, convoluted line between the two of correlation. Yeah, but it also is a line that makes probably a lot of sense to everybody. Certainly to me. Yeah, I totally get that that feeling of like I'm less worried about the details of this. Yeah, because I have this really complicated, sometimes aggressive and inherently dangerous exchange with people all the time, and we cooperate such that it stays friendly. Yeah. And that's kind of where it's just like, okay, you said no, cool, do your thing. But then when somebody says yes, I'm like the most grateful. Like, and I used right, to not yeah. be like that at all. Yeah, it changes a perspective on on a conflict of any type, probably. Oh yeah, I think that's why. Like I, now, I'm like you. Anytime anybody like expresses the hint of being interested in jujitsu, I'm like, you need to come try tomorrow. Yeah, that's not me. That's everybody. No, that's you. It was definitely me. It definitely <laughs> still is me. And I'm actually like that with a lot of things, but it's also like a, a pretty uniquely jujitsu thing. Like all those memes about like, how do you know if somebody does CrossFit? Yeah. Don't worry. They'll tell you, yeah. you know, I mean, it's times a million with jujitsu. Once the conversation, once the topic comes up in conversation, this is, this is the only topic for most people. Yeah. But if somebody asks me like, Hey, should I do a powerlifting meet? I'll try to talk them out of it before I try to talk. Them in. Yeah, sure. I'll go 50, 50 pros and cons. Like I want you to do it, but I'm also going to be honest with you. You're yeah. going to be really bored in your training for the next 12 weeks. Yeah. You're going to do three things three times a day yeah. for <laughs> six months. Yeah. And you're going to think it's cool, but it's not. And yeah. the day you get there, you're going to be there for 10 hours. It's, and, it's not, not quite 10 anymore. They're getting better. <laughs> They're getting better. But yeah, a long time. And Especially a geared meet. Rough. Ugh, but yeah. if somebody's like, What's the negative of jujitsu? You might have someone's beard sweat drip into your face. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole clump of my beard on the mat at M theory right and your now. And your footprint. Yeah. Hey, hey, don't be calling me out. On, <laughs> on the, I wiped it up. I cleaned my feet. I came in with dirty feet. Sometimes, you know, cabin life, you come in with dirty feet. Yeah. I was rolling with whoever I was rolling with and I looked over at the mat and there's this big clump of orangish, reddish, puby looking hairs. I'm like, somebody ripped a chunk of my beard out. God damn it. Was it me? No. Oh. We did yeah. that first round routine that you and I have where we go nice and easy as a warm up round. Yeah. Except it's none of that. <laughs> none of that at all. My my new obsession with jujitsu is figuring out how to be heavy. That's a weird thing to say, but anybody that's ever done jujitsu knows exactly what you're talking about. That's like, like my new Like obsession. why is Mark Niccolo so fucking heavy? He's hundred and thirty pounds. Yeah, I rolled with Marcus today. He's huge. All 155 pounds yeah, of them. He's so gigantic. Double that. Oleg feels like you do. No, Oleg feels... I've been under Oleg multiple times. I'm like, if this is what it feels like under me, I feel like that's a lie because I can't do this. <laughs> you know? And I have 100 pounds on him. Yeah. I have 100 pounds on Oleg. And there's no way my pressure feels like Oleg. It's close. But it's. But also, you can get out of it. 
if you get out of Oleg's pressure, you know, you start to find some space, you and I anyway, yeah. he's letting us. He's inviting. He's opened the door entirely, yeah, like, you know. I'm going to teach you something right now. Yeah, I'm going to let you learn a few things. But yeah, that's my new obsession is like pressure, distance, levels. That's like my new thing. I'm trying to like, that was a big takeaway Jiu-jitsu. from yeah. the camp was like <laughs> distance, levels, and pressure. Yeah. And be, being able to be heavier than you are. Yeah. And that's, and that's one thing from side control. That was a big thing I took away from the origin camp that, uh, Alexi taught me, he was like, why are you on your knees when you're in side control? Get on your toes. You can move better and you're heavier. Yeah. Because all your weight's on the person. So. And it's a, it's one of those, as you think about it two weeks later or whatever, you go, well, duh. <laughs> no shit. Right. But it's not your instinctual move necessarily. And that was the one thing too um, that was nice is we had all this time to ask que- like questions you want. Yeah. And you got all day to process, yeah. at, like the drive home questions that you should write down when you get home because yeah. you're processing it silently in your truck or whatever. Yeah, you got you're there still. Yeah, and they're all there still, so you get to ask them. That's the whole point of the camp, right? Yeah. So I asked the the age old question is like when, like how do you not use your attributes and focus on technique? And Ricardo gave me an answer that like blew my mind. He's like. Because I asked the question, like, I'm strong. How do I not use my strength and focus on technique? He's like, anybody who tells you to not use your strengths doesn't have any strengths. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, am I going to tell the fast guy to not be fast when he passes? Am I going to tell the flexible guy to not be flexible? Right. He goes, no, it's just you have a, a strength that is beneficial to the sport. And he's like, so when your skill catches your attributes... You're good to go, but he's like, what you need to focus on is you, let's say he goes, you know, three submissions, use your strength to get to the submission. He's like, and, but he's like, if I tell you not to use your strength and that's your attribute, you're never going to get to the submission. He's like, it's the same thing with a speed guy. A speed guy is going to run around you. Should I tell him to jog around you to pass your guard? No, because he'll never learn how to do it then. So it was, it was very like just hearing different perspectives of how to build the game. He goes, yeah, if you're driving your hand into somebody's collar and they grab your wrist, punch your hand to the floor and use your strength to do the technique. He goes, that's jujitsu. Because the, you have the attributes you have. Yep. So you have to pick and develop the skills that match your attributes. Correct. You know. Like, ideally, you're good at everything. Okay, great. But, like, if I'm a big, strong dude, like, squat six, seven hundred pounds or whatever, odds are Barambolo isn't my immediate best move. Like, Correct. I probably don't have, like, the mobility and whatnot to do it. Still gonna. Right. Whatever. But if I can get the close guard, get a scissor sweep, get to mount, now, your now I can start, yeah applying techniques and and working from that position right and you're using your attributes because i'm heavy those things suit me well or like marcus was saying today like you get somebody moving they're gonna move they're gonna go yeah Yeah. it's just leverage right should you why why would you work on things you're not well suited for right like because you should know those things sure yes but like your immediate game presumably is the things you're well suited for that's where you're gonna find success right 
and then expand out from there. And that's kind of what Ricardo, like his message to me was like, because like they, he asked the question in the first day with the white belts. He's like, what's your game? And I, I like raised my hand. I'm like, I'm a white belt. I don't have a game. Like, can you elaborate? He goes, the very first time you, you did your first jujitsu class, you were developing your game. He goes, I'm going to show you techniques. And this was all the black belts had the same message. It was like, I'm going to show you this technique. This is the basic of how you do it. You need to figure out a way for your body type and your attributes to make this move work. He's like, it might not look the same because, you know, Pete's 6'4", 280, Alexi's 5'8", 170. The technique is the same, but the way Pete does it is going to be different than Alexi does it. He's like, here's the basics. Now, where you put your foot, where you have your hand, what grips you're holding, that goes into your body type and your game. And then there's a wild card of the person you're applying the technique to, their body type and how your game can adapt, Correct. presumably, yeah. And that's that's been like the jujitsu mind fuckery. It was like I've had that role where it's like, you know, somebody I train with a lot. I train with Chris a lot. Blue bar Chris. Mm-hmm. And like he knows my game. He knows what I'm trying to get to. He knows like this what I'm sweeps I'm trying to do when I get to So it's like, well, when we get to this position, it's like, oh, I gotta get better than you somehow, but how do I do it? And and he, Well then it's the question of do I try to learn something else to start applying to or you or, or do I try to get better at the thing I'm trying to apply already? Right. The answer's gotta be the the second one. Right. Like the old Jackie Chan thing, like or is it no Bruce Lee? Boy, you didn't you didn't mixed up Jackie Chan <laughs> and Bruce Lee on record. I did, where it's like he fears the man with that's practiced one kick a thousand times. Yes, like, yes, right. So I just need to get better at my. Don't say it. <laughs> Still nice to surprise people. Uh, yeah, my o- my Ouroboros. Yes, into. <laughs> Something else that I'm not actually doing. Correct. <laughs> That's the silliest takedown ever. Describe the Oregoshi to me. Oregoshi. It's like a half-ass arm drag, side step in, grab belt, hip toss, throw. <laughs> when does that happen? <laughs> Dude, give it a Google, brother, because I'm sure it looks like poetry when it does happen. Oh, I've... I saw it in uh, the Olympics in jiu-jitsu. Like, Somebody hit one this year? Yeah. I was like, it was a, uh, a woman. I was going to say girl, but I didn't want to piss anybody off. You're um, right. You're right. It was a woman. She might have been 17. Anyways. Yeah, depending on the <laughs> country. Who knows at that shit. Stepped in. Nailed it. The chick's feet were yeah. seven feet over her head. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, that's what that looks like when it's done properly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing with, especially, I, I mean, I've never formally trained in judo. I know you haven't either. But, like, the, the I don't want to say casual, but the inclusion of different throws and stuff, the way we do it, seems so fucking far from, like, the real thing that it almost feels silly. But then again, you watch enough of the people at the gym and you're like, oh, this is not silly. That was not silly. What just happened over there, you know? Yeah. Like, it's fucking terrifying. Uh, we're, what we were talking about in the locker room today, that the purple belt who's a black belt in 
judo, like warm up takedowns and people are dying. Yeah. <laughs> Souls I was like, flying from heels of feet as they're upside down. That shit's terrifying. Judo is, is absolutely terrifying. I have no interest in my feet being over someone's head. Yeah. Not not when they're choosing it to happen. Correct. Well, yeah. even if I'm cartwheeling out of some position right, that yeah. you're supposed to be able to do, I'm not. <laughs> I just tap. Yeah. Fuck it. I'm out. I'm good. I think we covered it. Gucci. <laughs> Jesus Christ.